0: Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. Good morning. So glad you're here this morning. We're having an awesome morning. I'm glad you guys showed up. So we'll just keep having an awesome morning. Hey, that uh, was just a little spotlight on our Shine Ministry. About two years ago, I shared with you just a vision we had in our heart to have ministry for our special needs uh, children and families to be able to bless and minister them. And it is up and rolling and doing awesome. We wanted to give you just a little insight into that. It is a beautiful thing happening every week there, and I want to thank you all for making that possible we have a room that's been you know repurposed exactly for their needs and so many of you volunteering and helping and it's just a beautiful thing to see so I just want to thank you for that and show you a little bit of that today amen amen well let's stand together could we and we are going to pray and then get into the word this morning let's lift our hands to the Lord that's where help comes from Lord this morning we just thank you for your goodness to us thank you for your incredible love Thank you for taking good care of us this past week. Like the Heavenly Father that you are watching over us, that even when we sleep, you stay awake so we can sleep. We arise each morning to find that you sustained us. You're with us throughout the day. You're so kind and good and generous, guarding, patient, and we're grateful today. And, and though maybe we decided and plan to be here today, ultimately we know that you You've gathered us. You've prepared our hearts. You've ordered our steps and brought us here. And I just believe that you're going to conduct kingdom business with every one of us today. We're so hungry and thirsty. This This is a dry and weary land, and there is no water. And I thank you that, Jesus, you are the water. You are the bread. You are everything that we need. And I thank you that you refresh your people today. Help me as I teach your word. And I pray that when everything is said and done today, that you, Jesus, the Lord of our life, the head over all things to this church, that you would be pleased, and that you would be honored, and that these, your people, every single one of them would be helped today. And that's our prayer. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen Amen. and amen. Help me welcome our internet family, if you would. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, we're continuing in our series called Roots. Everybody say roots. And by roots, we're talking about our values and values that hold us in place. And maybe you know that we need something to hold us in place in this in this world. There's some tough stuff in the world and some crazy winds that are blowing, so to speak. And uh, the roots that actually hold us in place have to do with our values. And that's getting down to the real core of ourselves. What do we Treasure. What do we hold as important? What do we believe at the core and the heart of who we are? And those are our values. How many of you got one of these cards on your way in? Okay, if you didn't get one, get one on the way out. We're going to talk about these in just a moment and uh, just going to help you with that as, as well. So let's go ahead and look in Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah 17. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be, who shall be? The one who trusts in the Lord, their hope is in the Lord. He shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Isn't that powerful? I said, Isn't that powerful? That's powerful, in case you didn't know. And that is the word picture of the goal of a life in God and trusting God, what that produces in your life. We kind of rephrase it here. Don't get tired of hearing this. It is a people that are happy, stable, fruitful, blessed, so they can be a blessing and ultimately bring glory to God. And if, if that is your goal, how many of you that is your goal? Okay. Well, the rest of you, that's our goal. Um, then don't get tired of it. Don't get tired of that because that I think that describes well what God wants to produce in, in and through our life. And um, so this speaks of it. But at the very core of that then are our values. So let's look at this. I want to review this, this progression real quick. First of all, we have our values and that's what we hold very, very dear. We believe at the core of who we are. Our values inform our priorities. Our priorities, you know, pretty much then... Uh, are the embodiment of what, of what we value. Our priorities then in, uh, determine, they make our decisions for us. Our decisions then determine our outcomes. So I'll go through it one more time because this is vital. Connect all of this together. Our values inform our priorities. Our priorities make your decisions for you. If you don't believe me, look at your life clearly and you'll see that decision I just made was based on my priorities And then your decisions determine your outcomes. So if you look at your outcomes, and if you even compare, now not in the sense that you're competing with somebody, judging someone, but just by observation, outcomes in people's lives. I'll give you a story about one in just a moment. It really goes all the way back, not just to your decisions, not just to your priorities, but where did those come from? They came from your values. So everything is really value-based. Everything is really belief-based at the at the core of who you are. And so that's what we're trying to put in place, making sure, what do I hold dear? What do I treasure? What are my values? Um, And we want to help you to do that for yourself, for your family, for how you handle relationships, stewardship, and that, that kind of thing. So look at the card real quick here. This is just a simple tool that you can use if you spend a little bit of time. Now, don't do this in three minutes, okay? This is not like... How many of you in school always had to get your your paper up to the teacher's desk first? How many of you were under that? I always hated you. And uh, (laughs) I have one teacher that said, haste makes waste. So, no, I didn't really hate you. But anyway, back to this. Um, Don't rush on this. Okay, there's about 20 or or 30 uh, common values that are on the front that people typically would make these a core value in their life. Look at those and then choose these or others. Just think about it. Pray about it. Maybe get about 12 or 15 of those. And take some time. Look those things up. Think about them. Write down or think about what you think that means to you, how that kind of works out. And then maybe a day or so later, boil it down to 8 or 10 of those. Say, okay, if I have to strike a few and just get a little more. It doesn't mean those other things aren't important to you, but what is more important to you And then maybe take another day or so and then finally bring it down to about five. And when you get your five, put them on the back of here and then write out. Do a little research, read, think, talk to somebody, you know, what those values mean and how do you embody those values and put those here. And then don't just throw that away and go, wow, that was fun. Then start to make it a part of your devotional life, your planning, all of those kind of things and start to massage and weave these things into your life because... Your values inform your priorities. Priorities make your decisions for you. And ultimately, it's going to have great impact upon your outcomes. Amen? Amen. So, so far, sharing with you some of my values, some of the values of Meadowbrook Church. And uh, we've looked at these so far. The first week, we looked at biblical truth. Everybody say biblical truth. Two weeks ago, we looked at authenticity. Say authenticity. Last week, we looked at serving. And also, go ahead and say it, serving. And looked at the idea of servant leadership, and today want to talk to you about family. Everybody, say family. So let's talk about family just for a moment. Um, sometimes people say, "Well, they're just acting like family," or "We'll treat you like fam- family." I mean, even you know, that's not always always a good thing, <laughs> you know. And more and more, families have gotten fractured. We have so many things. Technology has invaded family. Um, you know, it's hard to get everybody together when you do get together to get them to look in the eyes because we've got phones or pads or whatever or watches or whatever that are going off. Um, you know, one of the biggest family arguments is, who took my phone charger? <laughs> right? And, I, and I, I read this, too, that if you want to have a family meeting, the way to do it is turn off the Wi-Fi. Everyone will come running. Okay? <laughs> and then you can say, well, since I have you all here, we can, we can talk. But the thing is, family... The outcomes of that could be very, very mixed, you know, and um, family, you can have great blessing and strength that comes from family, or you can have some of the greatest wounds and injury ever came from family. You know, you're equipped for life or you're not well equipped for life. A lot of that has to do with family. Stability, instability. Um, uh, drive or no drive. A lot of those things come from family and how you raise it. Family can be the closest thing to heaven on earth. It also can be the closest thing to hell on earth. Seriously. And family is complex. Have y'all noticed that? And maybe you grew up in the perfect family. I did not. Most people that I know, uh, families did not. Go to a wedding and go to a funeral and you start to see some people crawl down out of the family tree and come and, and you can kind of see some of the family things going on. Three weeks ago today, my stepfather, my um, stepfather, his wife, and let me clarify this, my stepfather married my mom way last century. My mom passed in 1990. My stepfather remarried. So my stepfather remarried, so I don't know what she is. So it's like, <laughs> a step, step lady. And <clears throat> well, unfortunately and suddenly, she passed away. Unexpectedly, three weeks ago today, my stepdad called me during lunch, and, and then by that evening, she, she was gone. Well, later in the week, then we had funeral. And so I'm just observing at this funeral, and so I have my stepdad, and we're burying my step-step mom. My flesh-and-blood sister is with me. My stepdad was previously married, had three daughters. I jokingly call them my wicked stepsisters. We joke. They're there. And then my step-step mom has two sons. And so I'm like, how do you even connect the dots in this room? Now, everything was very cordial, warm. Great thing is everybody are believers now, which is huge. But how many of you know along the way and through the years, there was a lot of pain, a lot of brokenness, a lot of confusion, a lot of things along the way. And so family can be very, very complex in that way. Family is a target, a favorite target of the enemy. Because family produces. And if the enemy can, can impact the family, if the enemy can do that, it's still going to produce. But it can produce brokenness. It can produce anger. It can produce all kinds of things. So because of that, we need to understand about family. Family. That that is indeed a target of the enemy. That makes it a target for us, as a ministry. Uh, Our staff—they know family first. If they've got a situation coming up, I don't know what to do. I've got this responsibility. Family first. It needs to be a a a very clear priority. Where's your priorities come from? Comes from your values. And so, and we want to. We're heavily invested as a ministry in Next Generation Ministries. Um, because we, there's a target on our kids, folks. There's a target. And so we have to help them all generations. Ministries about people prepare and people repair. And so family is a huge, huge value for us. Because family, um, let me read this to you real quick. Um, back in 1900, there was a study done by a guy named A.E. Winship, uh, because they found in the New York prison system, at one point they went through the system and they were, trying to trace where people were from, and they found 42 people all at the same time that were in the prison system, all related somehow back to one guy. And so they thought, what's going on here? So they did a study with this guy and another guy named Jonathan Edwards. Some of you that are church historians will understand Jonathan Edwards. Let me read it to you quickly. Two families from the state of New York were studied very carefully. One was the Max Jukes family, and the other was the family of Jonathan Edwards the thing that they discovered in the study is remarkable. Like begets like. In the 1750s, Max Jukes was an unbelieving man, He married a woman of like character who lacked principle. And among the known descendants, over 1,200 were studied. 310 became professional vagrants. 440 physically wrecked their lives with a lifestyle of debauchery. 130 were sent to prison for an average of 13 years seven of them for murder. There were over 100 that became alcoholics, 60 became habitual thieves, 190 became prostitutes. Of the 20 who did learn a trade, 10 of them learned that trade in the state prison. It cost the state of New York millions of dollars, and they made no contribution whatever to society. In about the same era, the family of Jonathan Edwards came on the scene. Jonathan Edwards, a man of God, married a woman of like character. Their family began, and they became a part of the study that was made. 300 became preachers, missionaries, or theological professors. Over 100 became college professors. Over 100 became attorneys. 30 of them judges. 60 of them physicians. 60 became authors. 14 became university presidents. There were numerous giants in American industry that emerged from this family. Three became United States congressmen. And you can't want them all. And... And one became vice president of the United States. So you see the vast, stark difference, and it all has to do, honestly, if we take it back, it goes back to values, and it has to do with what we have in our families. Amen? Amen. So we have to make this a huge effort as a church. You have to make it in your life as well. Think about your life, your family, and whatever condition your family is in right now. We believe with all our hearts that Jesus helps, and Jesus heals, and Jesus can give brand new starts. Amen? Amen. Well, I want to talk to you about another aspect of family, and it would be this. The family of God. Go ahead and read that with me. The family of God. And this is where God is the Father, and we are His children, and we are brothers and sisters. Did you know that this morning on Sunday, okay, on Sunday from sunrise to sun up around the world, there are over 2.2 billion brothers and sisters that are worshiping the Father. And so we have our brothers and sisters all around the world of different countries and different languages and everything else all around the world. So that's the universal family of God. Some of them are already in heaven as well. And so we have They're everywhere. Sometimes when I travel, I'll run into people and I can just kind of tell, yeah, that's, they're in the family of God. Are y'all, are y'all with me? You can just kind of, you can just kind of tell. And it's not because they have a hairdo, certain hairdo or a secret handshake or something. It's just, you can just kind of tell that, you know, they're in the family. And, and, in locally then, even in town. You know, we're in one church, but across the street, there's a church that they're our brothers and sisters. They worship our our same Father. Across town this morning, even right now, this is kind of exciting, uh, is Church of Hope. And uh, we have good relationship with them. And their pastor, Pastor Mark and Linda, are actually both running a marathon in Washington, D.C. And so when he's out, a lot of times, he will have one of our pastors, invite one of our pastors to come preach for them. Well, today, Pastor Sean is across town preaching at Church of Hope. And we sent a whole worship team over there as well. So it's kind of a same team kind of Sunday. I thought that was a a beautiful thing today. Yeah. Because it's family. Now, the family of God is experienced and expressed in your local church family even more. You You can't just say, well, I'm a part of the universal family of God. God wants you to get plugged in. You know, and that is expressed and experienced best in your local church family, and so I 'm speaking for the Meadowbrook family this morning. This is what I love. One of the best things that I love about Meadowbrook Church is this, the Meadowbrook family is this we are multicultural, multigenerational family, multicultural, multigenerational. I 'll explain a little bit of that as we go. But this is the wonderful thing about our body. it 's a slice of the city. Listen to this. Race or ethnicity is not an issue in the family. Color doesn't determine acceptance into the family. It doesn't determine acceptance by the family. The gospel is to all people. It is to all nations. And this has been a national issue right now. But I want you to know that true racial reconciliation happens in Christ. It happens in the family of God. I'll explain a little bit more about that in a moment. Not only is ethnicity not an issue... Age is not an issue in the family of God. We're multicultural or multigenerational. Age is not an issue. As a matter of fact, age only enriches the family. And I believe that more and more the older I get. (laughs) Class is not an issue. Past is not an issue. Background is not an issue. You say, well, I was black sheep in my family. Well, God loves black sheep. God collects black sheep. Any black sheep here this morning, you know? And, and that's not an issue. Male or female is not an issue. Here's the issue, the cross. And the cross is the great equalizer. Paul writes that when you come to the cross, it's level ground, so to speak. There's neither male or female, bond or free. There's not color. There's not class. There's not any of those things. We come to the cross, and we are simply the children of God, and that is the family of God. Can I get an amen on that this morning? So God's favorite image throughout Scripture is that of family. It's woven throughout Scripture. It's woven throughout Christianity. And then we come to the New Testament, and the best descriptor, the best New Testament descriptor of God is what? Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. And, and uh, he takes good, good care of his children. Amen? Amen. Now, the family of God, and this is, this is the cool part right here. You ready? In the family of God, everyone is adopted. That's part of the equalizer. Every one of us is adopted. None of us are the snooty kid who I've been here all along. Every one of us, lost, broken, outside, part pirate, whatever your story is, wherever you're from. And even the best that you could do and if you you came from the very best, whatever, it really doesn't matter because we're all adopted into the family. Look with me in Romans chapter 8. I'm more excited about this than you are. I can tell this one says, so, so you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, instead you received God's spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba; it's an Aramaic word, Father. It's a very intimate term of Father. Go ahead, for His spirit joins with our spirits to affirm that we are God's children, and since we are His children, we are His heirs. So we see we're all adopted. Everybody say, "I'm adopted." And we believe in adoption around here. We believe in fostering around here because God is the, the originator of that. And so we're all adopted. Ephesians chapter 1 says that we were chosen, adopted, and accepted in the beloved. And so we come in and now he has adopted us. He has made us his children. And if we're his children, we're also his heirs. So we're not just that he, all right. I'll take you and I'll take care of you, but don't expect anything else. No, he's saying everything that I have is yours. We become heirs as well. So this is not just about uh, DNA. This is not just about some kind of genetic lineage. Have you seen all that on TV? You can pay 100 bucks or something and they send you a tube and you spit in it and they come back and tell you you're part pirate and part whatever else, you know. So, My wife did it. And she found out she's British and Martian and something, I, I forget what all, well, all it was. Sometimes I just wonder and I thought, you know, I bet I could do that. I could send people out tubes for a hundred bucks and, you know, but hopefully they're being on the up and up about that. But this is not about DNA, this is not about uh, genetic lineage, this is about relationship relationship look at this it is all about relationship we are because of what he has done we are now related to God and guess what else we're related to one another now what brings the strength and the joy to any relationship think about it is this word fellowship 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 is not just sitting down and having a cup of coffee and talking fellowship the new testament greek word here is the word koinonia you don't need to remember that but it means to share together and it's not just to share it together when everything's good. It's to share it together when everything is bad. It's to go through it together. It's to rejoice together. It's to weep together. It's to cheer each other on, carry you when I have to. Please carry me when I need, need to be carried. It is that kind of fellowship that brings the strength and brings the joy to relationship. So I want us to look at two relationships that end up having the fellowship that brings the joy and strength to it. So the first one is this, relationship to the Father. Come on, read that with me one more time with a smile on your face. Ready? To the there you are. Relationship to the Father. And let me say this about the Father. He's the perfect Father. I don't know what kind of dad you had or whatever. I had, a, I had a great dad and I had a stepdad and he was great, you know, and they all had their limitations. I'm dad of five. I've tried to be a great father. I really all my heart, all my uh, whole time has been so, so important to me, certainly a value. But I know I've not been a perfect father. And the, now the closer we get to being empty nesters, you know, and the kids going off. with Alicia and I sometimes are talking about uh, maybe we could have done better at this. Maybe we could have done better at that. Maybe we couldn't have been so hard on them about that. Maybe we should have been way harder on them about this, you know. And you just kind of go through that. And so none of us, as hard as we would try, would be perfect. But I want you to know this. Listen to me. God as father is a perfect father. And if you're his children, any of his children here today? Any of God's kids here today? Okay. How many of you would say, yeah, he's an awesome father? You know, we talked about it in prayer early, early on. You know, he stayed awake all night so you could rest. And when you woke up, he sustained you. He will provide for you today. He will protect you. How many of you have had God show himself strong for you? Hold things back and protect you, help you, provide for you, give you wisdom, guide you, warn you, reward you, give you favor. Come on. God is a good father. And, and he's, hey, listen. And he's, he's never absent from us. It's like, where's dad? Yeah, I went through that a, a point in my life. You know, we wake up one day and dad's gone. I want you to know something. This father will never leave you. He will never leave you. He is always with us. He's a perfect father. And so we have a relationship with the, with the Father. Look with me in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. There it goes. Three times a charm. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the, huh? The children of God, go ahead, they are reborn into this family, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or a plan, but a birth that comes from God. Here's the thing, you ready? When you believe, when you believe, when you accept God, when you accept Jesus for who he is, guess what? You then are given the right to become a child of God. Are y'all hearing me? You don't have to go through this long class You don't have to wait in line and send forms and things to get qualified for this. It's a matter of believing. Jesus made this possible because the problem was sin. Your sin, my sin, all of our sin, and that kept us from relationship with God. Jesus came by virtue of the cross and took the sin out of the way. And when we believe that he did that for us, the way is open for us now to believe God and to come into relationship with him. That's a beautiful thing. And when you have relationship with God as Father, everything changes. Your position with him changes. Everything changes. You believe and then you belong. He becomes your father. You become his children. And the implications of that are staggering. Think about it. If you were were lost, dirty, hungry, broken, afraid, and orphaned, and now someone like God comes and adopts you and everything changes you didn't have a roof over your head now you're living pretty fine you were hungry and now there's no shortage of food are you hearing me you were you were subject to all kinds of things that would scare you and threaten you and now you are safe everything changes when God is your father just think about it just think about it you did not have forgiveness now you have forgiveness of sin You have favor on your life. How many of you know what I'm talking about, favor? Your eternity changed. You have grace in your life to help. You have peace to guard your heart and your mind. You have the presence of God with you. God becomes your source. When he wasn't your father, you were your source, or you thought the government was, or your mom was, or I hope I have a rich aunt or something. But God is your source when you understand he's your father. He gives you wisdom, and he puts you in a family, relationship with the father. The second relationship is this, relationship with your brothers and sisters. Relationship to brothers and sisters. Again, this is fellowship. This is sharing our lives. It's sharing ourselves. sharing our T4, our time, our talent, our treasure, and our touch. In the the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, it describes the early believers. And uh, it says that they took such good care of themselves. We see koinonia. that that Greek word for fellowship happening in in Acts chapter 2. Church historians write that as they observed those outside of the family of God, as they observed these these new believers, they were literally jealous of them because of the way that they cared for one another. That actually caused many people to come into the family of God. Guess what? You and I are to take such good care of our brothers and sisters that people outside of the family say, I wish I was in that family. Amen. It's family traits that we would have. The New Testament teaches us how to take care of one another, how to be one another, and to have those family traits. I can remember different times when my kids would be preteen or teenager, and they go, "Hey, can I go do this and such with so and so?" And we go, um, "No." And they say, well, "Can can I have this or do this?" And go, we'll no. And I said, why would you ask? Well, so-and-so's parents always let them do that, or they never make them do that. And I said, listen, we're this family. We're this family. We're the Gilligans. We, we do it this way. And trust me, their life was not about us saying no, no, and no. There was plenty of yes to the right things. Are, are you all with me today? But in the family of God... We do things a little differently in the family of God and it's so it can produce life so we can actually be that tree that we talked about. Are y'all hearing me? Outside of the family of God, guess what? If you do me wrong, I'm gonna get you back. But in the family of God, what do we do? I'm gonna forgive you because I'm gonna need to be forgiven and I've already been forgiven. Are y'all with me this morning? In the family of God, we look out for one another we're not, we're not trying to beat somebody. We're trying to help somebody. The family of God is entirely different. If you weep, I'm going to weep. If you rejoice, I'm going to rejoice. Something good happened for you, I'm proud of you. I'm cheering you on. Something bad happened for you, how can I help you? I mean, the family of God is entirely different in this way. Amen. Amen. And so it's our relationship to our brothers and to our sisters. Um, Family traits, things that happen within this family, forgiveness, acceptance with one another, encouraging one another, togetherness, love, support, and comfort. In the family of God, God is our father and he takes care of his children and then his children take care of their brothers and sisters. I don't know if any of you raising kids had more than one. I remember plenty of times that we would tell an older one, go help your brother. He's stuck in the car seat. (laughs) Go help your sister. That's too heavy for her to carry. She's going to spill that. We'll, We'll translate that over into the family of God. Go help your brother. Go help your sister. Go help your brother. Go help your sister. Go carry that for them. Go help them with that. Go be that for them. Get this for them. And that happens within the family of God. May we live in such a way that it makes people outside the family of God jealous to be inside the family of God. May we, may we resolve the issues within the family that are a big time problem on the outside. Everything from race to people's backgrounds to to where they come from, to all those kind of things. Again, the cross is the equalizer. And if we believe what Jesus has done, we literally step over a line and come into the family of God where God is our Father. And, and you ready for this? And you're my brother, and you're my sister, and you're my brother, and you're my sister, and you're my brother, and you're my sister. Are you all hearing me? And in the family of God, we take care of one another. Amen. This must be a value for you because this value will inform, as we talked about earlier, that value is going to totally inform your priorities. Your priorities are going to make your decisions, and your decisions will determine your outcomes. Let your outcomes reflect the fact that being in the family of God, having time with your Father daily, I mean, what kind of relationship, what kind of fellowship would it be with God Almighty if we get up? We go about our stuff and we don't even talk to God or think about our Father until 1.15 in the afternoon and we've made a huge mess. It's better to start our day and thank you, Father, that you watched over me tonight, that you got me up this morning, that today you'll surround me with favor. Today you're going to load me with blessings. Today you're going to help me. Today you're going to use me to have that relationship. And then to walk out into the world and to realize there's my sister, there's my sister, there's my brother, and to realize I I have responsibility toward them. And they have responsibility toward me. It is the safest, best place to be on this planet. It is a precursor and a foretaste of what heaven will be like. God is our Father and our brothers and sisters in the family of God. Will you please do this? Take good care of one another and make sure we honor our Father. In the book of 1 John, it says there's two ways you can tell. There's two ways you can tell if somebody's really in the family of God. If they truly respond right to the Father... And if they truly love their brothers and sisters. And I want to say something. We honor the Father God. Let's make sure that we love and take care of you. All of us take care of one another, brothers and sisters. And just like the old song says, there's an old song that says, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And I just want to say to you, I'm so glad I'm in the family of God with you. Take good care of one another. Love each other in such a way that those outside the family say, man, I wish I was in the family. And then you know what you can do? You can invite them into the family. You can invite them in. I don't know what it was about my mom. My mom was, was a, a, a tremendous lady. I miss her horribly. But mom was never really open and inviting to other folks. I remember a few times I would say, hey, could I have so-and-so over? No, I'd rather not. Um, You know, other times neighbor kids would say, hey, you want to come eat? We're having corn dogs. And I'd go, yeah. And so I'd go eat at their house. And then maybe a few days later, say, hey, maybe you could come eat at my house. I'd go ask my mom, nah. So I just got to where I stopped asking because I didn't think they would be invited or welcomed. But you know what? I talked to the father this morning. He said we could invite anyone. We can invite everyone to come into the family of God. Amen. Did y'all get anything at all out of this today? All right. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.